and welcome to the Resin Jack Podcast, where I bring you all things resin flooring straight to your ears. In this episode, we're going to talk about what I have titled Simplistic Retail Floors. It stems from a, uh, a post that was done um, where I, I put up an image and to describe you the image would be it's a floor, it looks like it's just gone through defit. So it's a retail floor, it's just gone through defit. So they've put a small headed grinder on there and they've just ripped up the glue or whatever is was there. I'm thinking it's a glue, maybe a tile glue or a carpet glue or something like that. And you can actually see that there are um, little lumps in the floor. I say little, they're, they're pronounced. Lumps in the floor where there's you know, residual glue or whatever it is stuck there. You can see the swirl marks throughout the floor. It's not flat. You can see that there's divots in the floor, like chunks out of the floor. And the... Um, the finish is just painted black. It's not a particularly thick coating because you can see quite fine swirls in the floor. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty simplistic retail floor, and I I saw it and I thought this would make a good topic because it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. So in the post I write, take a look at the photo of a retail floor. There seems to be an increasing number of similar floors in the retail space. What do you think about this type of finish for a retail shop floor? Should there be a minimum standard that needs to be met? Does this harm our industry? Should we care? I'd be interested to know your thoughts. Um, the first contributor is Kelsey Batita. And um, to give you a little bit of rundown on Kelsey, she is an applicator support at West Coast, uh, West Coat, sorry, in San Diego, USA. Over five years in the industry, starting with sales and now enjoying her role as an applicator support person. She says, it just looks cheap in brackets, which they usually are, close brackets. And it, uh, and like it was done by a, Cave-worn person, care-worn person. Ooh, that's a term I don't know. Care-worn person. Maybe someone that doesn't care anymore. I would much rather see an epoxy with a high bill to fill in those grind marks with non-slip additive. In brackets, if cost wasn't always an issue, close brackets. Not even sure what this is coated with. Maybe just a prime coat. I'd rather shop somewhere where a nicer aesthetic personally. Nice discussion, as always. I reply to Kelsey. Thanks for your input, Kelsey. Uh, I agree that the aesthetics matter. If I go into a retail store to buy something that is higher value and carries a warranty, then I want to feel that the shop is going to be in business in 12 months and they're not trying to be cheap in order to maximize short-term profits. Thanks again for your comment and kind words. It's always appreciated. Uh, so, yeah, just a... Quick sort of recap on the points there. Uh, Kelsey certainly picked up on the grinder marks, thinking that uh, a higher build product would cover a lot of those. And yes, that's right. 
she does personally think that it affects the aesthetics of the business and therefore could influence her shopping elsewhere. And I do agree with that. The next comment comes from uh, Steve Dassing. Steve is the foreman at the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners of America in New Jersey, USA. Over 25 years in the floor coverings industry, including vinyl, carpet, wood, uh, sorry, carpet tile, wood, and of course, leveling. He writes an interesting comment. He says, there are times that they want the floor to look like this. It all depends on the end user if they want a perfect floor they would then get one. I have done a few where they wanted the floor to look kind of beaten up. Now, I'm not saying this is the case in your photo as every job is different. I reply, thanks for your input, Steve. I can understand the rustic look, but leaving yourself a floor that you can't clean in the cafe environment is what I'm questioning. I'm sure on your jobs, you were considerate about sealing off the floor so it could be maintained. But in this case, it doesn't seem to be that way. Thanks again for your input. It is a good point. Um, I This is a retail place, but they do also serve some food. So although I've titled it um, Simplistic Retail, the point about cleaning, I think, pertains to any type of consumer floor, meaning a consumer is going to walk across the floor and, and so forth. So not just whether it's a food serving environment. But I've touched on two points there uh, in addition to what's been discussed. Shane Lahour is next to comment. He's the sales manager uh, at Master Builders Solutions in Alberta, Canada, over 15 years in the coding sector with a fair chunk of that in resin flooring. He says, these types of floors take away from the professional floors. It appears to me that there is more wrong than right for this floor. I reply, thanks, Shane, for your comment. I tend to agree with you. Now, before I skip too far past this, there was a point that Steve Dassing made in his comment, which is a fair point, and that is that um, certainly seen and been involved with floors that they wanted to have a warehouse look, which is a term that they use in my neck of the woods. And the warehouse look is kind of beaten up. It is kind of, um, you know, it looks worn or it looks used. It's not trying to make it flashy. And there are those scenarios. Um, I still think they are done better than this type of scenario. This to me looks like a retailer has moved into the store and as a last minute effort, they have just uh, painted the defitted floor black. There isn't really a consideration to uh, filling it, removing any little divots, making it easy to clean, making it look tidy, whatever. It is to me just paint it black. And I think that's probably why I don't really think that this is a deliberate design, as um, Steve was hinting at, that you know he's been asked to do those. I think this is really just a cheapskate job. And um, let's, let's see what others have to say about that. Michael Durra, who, uh, if you've been a listener of the podcast, you would have 
seen, uh, sorry, heard comments from him before. He's a business owner at Queensland Regional Flooring in Queensland, Australia. He's an experienced floor layer, including carpet, vinyl, and timber finishing. More recently, he moved into polished concrete and resin flooring. He now owns and operates a floor covering retail outlet. His comment is, I'd say that people who ground that floor have got a good profile for the primer coat. This is a very good question. Some of what I've seen in retail could only be best described as industrial look. Maybe this is a situation where beauty is in the eye of the beholder as so many retail floors are really scary looking and some even have carpet, vinyl or tile adhesive not completely removed. I reply to Michael, thanks Michael for your input. The industrial warehouse look has gone from a functional floor that highlights the character of the floor to let's do it uh, let's do the least we can look. It's a shame as one of the coolest floors I've been involved with was a hundred-year-old slab with local river rock, pebbles and sticks encapsulated in the floor. That floor had character and that complemented the fit-out. In the photo, you can see lumps. I do wonder if those lumps are glue that have been painted over. Take care, Resin Jack. And I did describe that earlier um, now, uh, Michael's comment there about having a good profile is that, yeah, you can see the swirl marks. You can see that the grinder was not trying to tidy anything up. It's just the defit process is normally about just rip it off as quickly as you can. So it's normally aggressive diamonds and um, rip it off as quickly as you can. And that's what's been left. Um now, I used the term painted over in there, and Michael comes back to me and says, the term coated, the term is coated. We are not painters, and he sends me a meme with uh, a description of how resin flooring applicators look at painters with a bit of um, distrust, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely true, but I think maybe his experience is that the difference between painters and resin flooring applicators is generally to do with uh, more prep. And um, it's not to say that painters can't become good resin flooring applicators, but they are two different trades concerned with two different results. I, I do tend to add the thought on that, that painting is more about how do I get, like what's the thinnest coating I can apply to get opacity? Because... It's not a wear coat I'm trying to create. I'm not trying to create a trafficable wear coat that someone's going to drive a forklift over. I'm normally painting walls that um, no one walks on. So my main concern is how do I get an even color and enough color on the walls? It may not need to be a very thick coating, but it needs to be applied well. So two different skill sets, two different concerns. And when it comes to preparation of walls compared to floors, they're vastly different. And I'm sure that's what Michael is highlighting in his um, uh, meme there. Thomas Gillespie uh, also contributes, and he is an underlayment specialist in New Jersey, USA. Uh, technical sales, concrete specialty products, self-leveling, patch and repair mortar is his thing. He writes, uh, we did a few Hot Topic stores with Artex SDM, and they said it was... It was too nice and smooth. They made the contractor skim coat as rough as many ridges as possible. Hashtag whatever they want. 
Uh, Michael also chimes into this particular thread and says, we have a local sushi cafe and has what looks like feather finish roughly troweled everywhere with a clear coat. Now, that is probably not far from a post that I did recently where there was a cementitious leveller with a clear coat applied over the top and it was going through cracking and delaminating. So if you're interested in that type of look or what that might look like, then uh, stay tuned for future podcasts and you'll see that uh, come through. My response is, uh, thanks, Thomas, for your comment. I think the type of flaw you're describing was the subject of a post I did a couple of weeks ago. In that post, the client had given up trying to clean the floor. The client probably got what he wanted too, at least in the short term. Now, I'd forgotten about that, but um, that's pretty true. That I did a podcast a few weeks ago about sealers. So you can look that up, sealers, and you can see in there that the floor just became too too hard to clean and keep clean. So the, the owner just gave up and um, you can actually see the buildup of muck in this, and that was a cafe floor in a dining type of area of a cafe floor. So that's the description there. Uh, Thomas's point, I think, is really that, yes, the client is the one paying for the job. And yes, they can ask for whatever it is that they want to ask for. The original question I posted at the top of this um, episode was, um, should there be a minimum standard that needs to be met? Does this harm our industry? Does it harm our industry for our industry to put down these types of finishes that are substandard? You know, that's a pretty ordinary standard. Um, should we or should we even care? Then now, um, I think Thomas's point is that you know, he did care. He put down a beautiful, smooth-looking finish and the client wasn't happy and they wanted him to trail on a rough finish. That can be because they felt that the finish was too smooth and potentially a slip hazard. Maybe it showed too much dirt or, or dust or whatever it might be. So there can be other reasons, but um, I appreciate Thomas's point. Bruce Paulson um chimes in here as well. Now, he's the business owner of Ringus Group, Sydney, Australia. He's a knowledgeable guy that's been in the industry for 20 years, for over 20 years, in fact. He has a broad understanding and an interest from prep, underlayment, coatings through to polishing. Now, he's one of those ones that applies his education to take on the challenging jobs. I don't think there's a job that I have um, been involved with with Bruce where he hasn't taken and taken it on and uh, he's a thoughtful person when it comes to comments. So let's see what Bruce has to say. He says, so Jack, as a contractor, I come across this on various locations. It comes down to cost most of the time. The reason is, is just to stop dusting. Remember in most shopping centers, the cost of fit out is quite high, almost as much as a defit. So even though most shops are usually 50 to 75% covered and most people have to walk on a floor, a lot of companies don't have a budget over $40 a square meter for flooring. Businesses just need to get in and start selling. 
Now, I'll um, read you my reply, and then if there's any points in there that I've missed, then um, I'll just go through it again, because Bruce raises, raises a couple of great points there. So thanks, Bruce, for your input. I know that flaws are often the last thing to go in in the budget, is often depleted by then. The irony is that flaw in, the flaw incurs wear and tear from day one and it is the most disrupting to the business if you have to redo the flaw. The last numbers I heard on retail churn was five to seven years. So that lick of paint has to last at least five years. Business is tough at the start, but the initial plan is hopefully taking into account five years of trade. Thanks again, Bruce. As always, appreciate it. So let's just flesh out a couple of points there. Bruce, uh, at the coalface as a contractor, says he encounters this a bit. And I think everyone in the in the flooring game, probably in every trade, has encountered the client who has a predetermined budget as to what they have to spend. That budget may not be formulated on what it actually costs to do anything. It might be a number that's pulled out of thin air. They, they, it might just be a number that's left, you know, what's left in the bank account, and that's it. So when budgets are thrown around, I I am very cautious. And I am cautious because if you do this type of flaw, that's your reputation on the line. That is you there, you're seen doing it, people will ask who did it, and your name is thrown around. If there's a problem, that client who paid $40 a square meter, which isn't very much, just to give you context, in this market anyway, that person who paid $40 a square meter is still expecting that for $40 a square meter, they are getting a floor that's going to last them. It's fit for purpose is the term that is often thrown about. Now, you may not agree that it's fit for purpose to start with. You may have told them all sorts of things as you're describing what they're going to get for $40 a metre, and that it's only going to be a dust-proofing type of scenario. You may describe all of those things. But if there's a problem, they call you up, now you've got to rectify it. So I think it's it's a dangerous scenario. I shouldn't say dangerous. There's no life-threatening. But it's a tricky scenario when you start compromising what you know you need to put into a retail flooring situation to last the typical duration of that retail shop, which is five to seven years, and you're putting in something that you know isn't going to last. The idea of stopping dusting, yeah, well, that's true. But the minute that you've worn a track through this very thin coating, um, it's going to start dusting anyway. So you haven't really solved the problem unless the coating is going to be there in that five to seven years. It might look ratty from the start. It might look ratty after seven years when it's time to renew it, but it can't wear that quickly that it's a problem soon. As far as businesses need to get in and start selling, yes, well, they do. But as I sort of raise, if there's a if you have to shut down the business again to redo a floor, it's a major headache. It's a nightmare. People don't want to do it. So I like to start with the right floor for the right application installed by the right person right from the word go. That way there is less issues. Hopefully you can meet their budget or get damn close to it. Um, but 
to supply a floor like the one in the photo and expect that to last five to seven years in a retail environment, I think you're going to have problems. Christopher Stinnett is the next to comment. And um, Christopher has also been a part of previous podcasts. He's the Vice President of Senior Life Insurance Company in Kentucky, USA. And I write about him. A recent move into the insurance does not detract from Christopher's track record with epoxy for over 10 years. His comment is, I doubt that someone would be deterred from getting a concrete floor slash epoxy floor by seeing this. Generally, people understand that DIY is a real thing and not every floor is installed by a professional. I reply to Christopher, fair comment, Christopher. Thanks for your input. Take care, Resin Jack. There aren't a lot of DIYers in retail stores. That's about the only thing I sort of can add to that in hindsight. Um, it's not like um, you can just do your own work in a retail store or particularly like a shopping center environment. And I'll add to that too that there, there could well be requirements. There's a, you know, certain types of shopping centers go to a, a lot of effort to create a certain feel, a certain ambience, decor. And so they wouldn't be encouraging of DIY. And if you did this floor and they weren't happy, you might be required to do it again. So I appreciate the comment, Christopher. You are right that, um, you know, that, well, you feel that you wouldn't be deterred from looking at that floor, but I would. Um, if I'm buying an item where I'm getting a warranty from that store, I'd have serious doubts whether they're still going to be around when I look at how cheap that floor was done. That to me is a buying detractor. And I don't think you can really afford buying detractors when you're in business. But there you go. Differences of opinion is okay. As long as we get these comments out and we're able to debate them openly, then people can form their own opinion. Ashley Horton Bailey is next to provide some input. Um, works for JMS Lincoln Limited in Cardiff, Wales, UK. A resin flooring site supervisor for the past five years, specialising in anti-skid surfacing. Ashley's comment is, this is a combination of the prep work not being done properly and the initial epoxy coat also not being applied thick enough. I reply to Ashley, thanks for your input. It kind of feels like it. this was a case of just give it a lick of black paint. Take care, Resin Jack. Uh, Ashley's points are spot on. I mean, the, the, prep was, the prep work that has been done was defit. It was how does a previous tenant get out of that retail store and get their bond back. You know, how do they close off their previous contract? And that's just a matter of make good, as the term is used, where whatever you had on the floor has to be removed back to the way that it was before you started. And in this case, a simplistic grind was done, full of the swirl marks, and the new tenant moving in there has not done any further prep. They've just painted it black. Chris Nath is the founding partner of Concrete Restoration Technologies in Oregon, USA. He's a second generation installer with 25 years experience in the industry. He's well respected by the suppliers and fellow installers. So Chris's comment is, this type of finish 
is actually specified in a number of stores. One even being a shot blasted floor that is that is then sealed, believe it or not. It has to look like that. Oh, sorry. It's to have a look that doesn't take away from the merchandise and to say it's not too expensive to shop there. It's an odd look, but hey, I'm not an I'm not in advertising or sales. Uh yeah, the interesting point. Um, let me, I'll just comment to that and then I see that there's a bit of an addition to the thread there too. Um, Gary Hopper, sorry, let me throw in Gary's comment. He's a freelance consultant at R&B Colour Master Consulting in British Columbia, 35 years in the construction trades. Uh, his experience includes concrete art floors, waterproofing, terrazzo and deck coatings. He writes that, Actually, Old Navy had the shot blast spec. Your lines had to be straight. So with those two comments, I, I reply and say, thank you for your comment, Chris. I can relate to fancy metallic floors taking away from the merchandise. I also have photos of terrible finishes in discount stores. If we were to compare the result with another trade, would it be acceptable? How about a garden tap in a shopping center bathroom sink? Is there a line in the sand for your trade or for our trade? Chris replies back, um, agreed. I think, I think like you, there should be, meaning there should be a line in the sand and there is something, whether it's acceptable or not. Unfortunately, once our once wonderful trade has been inundated with any and everyone that can hold a paintbrush and a roller with an introduction of cheap equipment. It's only going to keep getting worse. The cheap bottom line keeps plummeting along with the skill set and the knowledge. I reply, thanks for your additional comment, Chris. I also became concerned about the race to the bottom in our trade. There is a number of us that have been squirreling away in the background looking to change that for the past six years. Progress is slow, but I think you'll start to see something significant before the end of the year. Take care, Resin Jack. And, of course, you're listening to the result of that work that's been done behind the scenes because the whole concept of Resin Flooring International is what has been brewing inside a number of people for some time that wanted to stop this race to the bottom. Um, now, I'll just go back a little bit there and... Uh, yeah, so Gary makes a point about being Old Navy shot blasted spec. So even though the the look was a pretty simplistic look, it it actually still had a standard that was reproducible, that was respectable. The lines had to be straight. So there was some expectation there. So Old Navy didn't just ask for you to run your shot blaster willy-nilly all over the place and leave crappy looking cornrows or, you know, blast out patches or whatever it might be. They actually wanted it to have a certain look and they liked the shop blaster being a look. It was properly sealed is how I take that. So, yes, it's it's not the look that everybody would want. Um, it probably is like a warehouse look, which might suit Old Navy. I don't know. But it's... Um, it was done to a certain standard anyway. Now that that concept around detracting 
like detracting from merchandise. I, I've had that co- that specific conversation a number of times with architects and retail shop owners. I think if if I look at it, um, th- there's no doubt that if let, let's do a couple of examples to explain why that could be the case and then an example why it might not be the case. So firstly, the, 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 the distractions is when the floor doesn't meld. That, I think I just made up a word there. If, if, it, if it doesn't fuse into the entire fit out of the floor. As an example, you have this floor that is metallic gold or something like that, something that is bright and stands out and people, when they first walk in, their attention is solely focused on the floor because it's it looks out of place. In that case, I agree that you're taking away from the rest of the experience. Now, um, I have certainly seen floors where the owner loved the razzle dazzle of something, you know, brilliant and with high luster, and they chose a metallic finish, and it just didn't suit their decor. It was a beautiful looking floor and it was beautiful looking decor, but it wasn't well matched. And in that case, I, I can get it. Now, the flip side of that is a few years ago, I was involved with um, Baskin Robbins stores and they were changing from a tile to a resin floor. They had a new, a new color scheme. They had a new um, feel that they wanted the consumers, the, the, the people buying their product to feel when they walked into this place. They changed all of their furniture and everything. And we produced this custom color in a custom marbled resin floor, marbled metallic resin floor. And it was a beautiful floor. Now, it did not detract at all from the surrounds. It it made it better. It, it, it just complemented. It was like the whole thing was built from the one color scheme and it was beautiful in its, in its matching and the feel of it. And in that case, that could only give you a better experience when you walked into the place. So the, the blanket rule that the floor shouldn't, shouldn't be too leery or should be very plain so it doesn't detract from the merchandise I think that comes down to the actual floor design. So if you don't have much of a display, if you're not trying to create a certain feel, you're not your color scheme isn't there to create <coughs> a certain or a, an emotion when you get in there or whatever it might be, then you can have the contrast and it doesn't work, so you keep it plain on the floor. But if you want to really make an impact, I'll guarantee you that floor is part of your floor, your store design. And I encourage with the capability of resin flooring, it is the, I'd almost go as far as saying the best type of flooring system that you can adopt in the retail space because it is customizable in every way, where whether it's colors, patterns, uh, finishes, gloss level, whatever it might be, resin flooring for retail space. Okay, um, the next comment, comes from, hmm, I'm going to butcher this, I'm afraid, Jerowen uh, Strecker. He's a commercial manager at Uzen, and when I say butcher it, I mean where he's from. It is in the Netherlands. It is a region called Overy Gizel. 
Sorry, Jerome. Um, he's got over 20 years in the flooring industry. Being with Uzen, obviously a lot to do with floor prep. So he would have seen the D fit like this type of store and uh, would, you know, would know that quite well. His comment is, they did take care of a little bit of mechanical bond, you know, and he's got a couple of emojis next to that. Uh, but seriously, not good for the image of resin flooring in general. I wonder if a professional flooring company would want to sell such a floor. I reply, thanks, Jerome, for your thoughts. As for mechanical preparation, it might be sufficient in the localised area. But as with many defits, they only remove what they have to. So there could well be, a, be large areas of the floor that are unprepared. I can't imagine that the floor was applied by a person that takes pride in their trade. It might be what the client asked for, but I tend to agree with you. Not a good look for the industry. Now that, I just touched on an important point there. And this photo is, of course, just a photo of one particular area where the floor has been defitted, if, if I can call it that, made good. But often in these defits, it's not just concrete everywhere. There may be levelers that have been installed in places. There might be trenches that have been done to fit in cables and conduits and uh, or drains or whatever it might be. And those trenches have been infilled by different levelers at various stages. So because the floor has been ground uh, and it looks like it, it's been hard ground in this particular area, it doesn't mean that it's been well prepared everywhere. It's just been removed. It's not meant to be preparation. It's just been the existing floor finish has been removed. And as I said, they've just put on a coat of paint and, and left it at that. Amy Dawson is the that paint lady in Grafton, Australia, and she has a solid background in teaching. Amy has found her passion in the paint industry and is focusing on consumer education and training. So Amy's comment is, is that just a gloss oil paint, oil concrete paint there, or a poorly done resin coat? My opinion changes slightly depending on the answer. But I thought there were minimum slip resistance standards that were meant to be meant to be being met. I've, I've never known the specifics though. Okay, so there's a bit, bit to this thread. Thanks, uh, thanks for your comment, Amy. I don't know what the coating was or who did it. There are recommendations published for this type of retail environment based on the rough grind in the bracket looks like post defect closed brackets. The coating probably does meet the P1 recommended slip rating. Take care, Resin Jack. She uh, adds to her comments says, thanks for the reply, Jack. I am against store owners chucking down whatever they want without considering the safety of their customers. However, I feel that if they are aware of limitations of their choice, strapped for time slash budget and the safety needs are sufficiently met, then a less than ideal cleanable secured floor is better than no coating or damaged coatings. I reply, thanks again for your input, Annie, uh, Amy. Sorry, <laughs> Always appreciate it. Um, now, th there is one point in there that I wanted to make. Um, so P1 is not a very high slip rating at all, and you're probably going to get that from the mechanical profile. But there is something else to be considered, and that is whether the lumps and bumps that are sticking out of this floor are in fact a trip hazard. 
that is, um, is something that is not really being talked about here, but when you look at the photo, you'll, you can see what I'm describing. Um, I'm not quite sure what she means by whether it's a gloss oil concrete paint uh, or a poorly done resin coat. I'm not sure why there might be a difference. Maybe it's that a paint is not going to have the trafficable capability compared to a resin coat, even if it is a poorly done, um, let's say, two-pack epoxy, at least it's going to have some durability. So perhaps that's what she's meaning by that answer there. Um, and then finally, I, I picked up in her comment there that she does say cleanable. She does, uh, you know, so I don't think that floor is particularly cleanable, particularly if there is some food environment. I think you're going to have a problem cleaning in and around those bits sticking out of the floor. And then the second point is about damage coating. So, yeah, you, you can't have bare concrete in that space. Well, probably can if you dust proof it or you put down some of those densifiers that do that have a dust proofing function. But I think that this floor is going to have a problem. I think that it is going to either wear through or it could well fall off in places because I don't think that even though it's had a rough grind, when you just overcoat bits of glue or whatever it is that's sticking out of the floor, that's going to fall off. It's not going to adhere well. It's only a thin coating. So I think it's going to fall off and I think that the floor is going to be damaged. So I understand what Amy's trying to say. I'm just aware of you know, what, what does that actually correspond to. Wade Glass is the next to comment. He's a sales manager at Colourstop in Queensland, Australia, over 15 years supplying and servicing the protective coating industry. Wade's comment is, I've seen this type of industrial finish in a cotton-on store here. Just looks like you only have, you only have how much for the shop fit-out budget. Okay, grammatically that was a little tough. Sorry, but... Um, yeah, I think my comment sort of elaborates on it. It says, thanks for your comment, Wade. So do you feel that the reputation of the retail store is perhaps negatively impacted by the insufficient budget floor? <clears throat> uh, his comment is only weirdos like me notice, according to my wife. I reply back, ha-ha, uh, only weirdos like you and I, Wade, and I dare say many others who are likely to comment on this post. I do also feel that the need to touch floors that might just raise the bar to another level. And what I, what I mean by that is my wife, um, she's understanding that I, I have to look at every floor and I look at it from different angles. I take photos of floors, but I also have to touch the floors. It's a tactile thing and um, that is not always something that is appreciated. But anyway... I do it, it's uh, how I think, and if I'm a weirdo, well then, so be it. Uh, Wade does reply back, in fact, there's a couple more comments on this thread. I'm glad I'm not alone in my obsession with floors. My family get a laugh out of me looking, touching resin flooring finishes in retail outlets and my assessment on them. And Amy chimes in, I notice too, but yes, my husband concurs that it is because we are weirdos. 
He's on the team that says, hey, who cares, and doesn't even notice. Jared Baker has perhaps got the final comment on this. Um, he is the Quality Services Technical Director at Interface in Georgia, USA, over 15 years in the floor covering industry, predominantly in the carpet sector. Jared, um, obviously on the other side of the world, his point is flooring weirdos all over the world, friends. So with that, we will um, sign off on this particular topic. I am certain that questioning standards and minimum standards in particular is going to be topic of future podcasts. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you found it valuable and in and informative. This podcast was brought to you by Resin Flooring International. So go to their website, resinfloor.org. That's resinfloor.org. And you'll be able to see a post that has the corresponding images and also the profiles of the different contributors that were mentioned in this podcast. So as always, I'm Resin Jack. Take care and keep smiling.